Rhys Melford Jones was murdered in Liverpool at the age of 11 when he was shot in the neck. Rhys had been offered a lift home from football training but didn't take up the offer. It was shortly after this that he was caught in the crossfire of gang warfare. Welcome off Curiously Morbid with me, Danielle Waldron, and my co-host, Dean Osgood. This one particularly, um, Rhys Jones, affected people we know, affected our community massively, it massively shook the community we live in, and it needs to be talked about. Yeah, definitely, which is why we've decided to, to take this on, really, and again, it happened in our lifetime, and, you know, it's... I have really vivid memories of, of this happening. It really shocked our, our community, like you say. And um, this this happened to Reese, who was the same age as us. Yeah, which is really sad, isn't it? It's horrible knowing that. Like we said, this week we're going to look in his tr- into this tragic murder of 11-year-old Reese Jones. Reese Jones was born on the 27th of September, 1995, and he was the second-born son of Stephen and Melanie Jones. Stephen was born in Liverpool and Melanie was born in Wrexham. He had one brother, Owen, who was born in 1990 and he would have turned 12 just five weeks after his death. So he was almost 12 years old, 11 going on 12. So he just left Broad Square Primary School on the Norris Green Housing Estate and was due to start secondary school at Vasakali High School in September of 2007. So I have a lot of people that live in Norris Green, friends, and I know this was a massive thing in their community when this happened, Um, especially for Zachary High School as well, we both know people that work there, don't we? Yeah. So, talking about this, it's all very close to home. (laughs) When when we talk, like, I know the case we're doing, and I know the story of what happened, but as we're doing this on this podcast, it's very weird because it's all so close to home. Like, I'm imagining yeah. these places. Like, I've been in for Zachary High School. Yeah. And I think this is the first time we've done a case when that's been the case. Yeah. Like, we, we can really, like, imagine it. And we've been to, like, a lot of the places that we're going to talk about and, and we've seen them and things like that. So his former head teacher and neighbours said that he was a really friendly and popular boy and he really loved football and his favourite team, well, the team he supported was Everton Football Club because obviously, like, if you live in Liverpool, there's only two teams, isn't there? Everton or Liverpool, it's a massive divide. And I just point this out there, like, I do not know anything about football, but it's a superficial divide. Yeah. It's not, it's not actually, like... It's not like a Romeo and Juliet. So <laughs> yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not because that like <laughs> on the important things like this case, the football community mm-hmm. was a big part of this case. Um, Liverpool comes together. Yeah, community definitely. wise. If you from maybe a, a different country or don't know a lot about Liverpool other than the Beatles, um, Liverpool is one of the most compassionate, kind, caring oh, places yeah, that you will ever be in. Like most of the people that I know they live in Liverpool so friendly it doesn't matter who you are where you come from what your sexuality gender race any of that is you're treated the same yeah so yeah just, just I just put that out front just putting that out there yeah and we, we do see that a lot in this case as well because the football was a massive part of this as well wasn't oh it? huge and we're going to be talking mm-hmm. about that in a little bit as well Echo reporter Greg O'Keefe was there on the scene of his death and recalled the heartbreaking night he took the call reporting Reese Jones' killing. The then news reporter, who grew up just five minutes from where Reese was killed, 
was working a late shift on August 22nd, 2007, when he received a phone call about the shooting. After arriving at the scene quickly, he realised the devastating truth about what had happened. He said it was Croxdiff, Norris Green area, and there'd been a lot of gang-related incidents at the time. After arriving at the scene, he quickly realised the devastating truth about what had happened. It was in the Croxdiff, Norris Green area, and there'd been a lot of gang-related incidents at the time. I remember just being in school at this time, and I know we're on the Wirral, but the police were always in talking to us about gang crime yeah. um, and about not getting involved in that culture and mm-hmm. things to do with it. It was a big thing, wasn't it, at this time? Yeah, it was huge right before, but especially after this happens. This is late August. And in the UK, schools go back in September. The majority of them, some go back a little bit earlier in Scotland. Um, and when we went back, it was like a really big deal or assemblies were like related to gun and knife crime and not getting into gangs things like that we had the police in a lot more often um, and after this this was when um community police officers started to be based in schools yeah so i remember 2008 the year after it happened mm-hmm. is when we got our community police officer in the school yeah we had a community police yeah. officer as well and and, and um there was a Labour government at the time who massively funded these mm-hmm. these things going into schools. Um, so after driving to the scene, Greg began his job of interviewing those who had been near the car park at the time, but admits he wasn't quite prepared for what he was about to hear. He said, It wasn't a gang-related killing. It was actually the murder of an innocent kid who could be any part of the city. He's from a great family. He was just walking back from football training. It had become apparent within a sort of 10 minutes of being there that this wasn't someone who was involved in a gang-related life. It wasn't a tit-for-tat thing. He said his mind goes back to that night where I was speaking to the people who had been in the car park where Reese had been caught in the crossfire. Bouncers who'd been on the pub drinking had gone outside. These fellas who worked in the doors all their lives, they were hard men who were in tears, their eyes red, who couldn't speak. They couldn't do an interview because they were so upset. They'd seen Melanie Jones arrive and basically spent those last few awful moments with her little boy as his life ebbed away. Even even hearing their testimony was heartbreaking. That really shows the effect that it had of these like sort of hard scouts bounces on doors couldn't even you know like bring themselves to speak to a reporter about it because you see it all the time don't you on the news that you know people will go over and, and they'll be like yeah i was there and, and they'll speak to you know whoever the reporter is they couldn't even talk to them this could have happened to anyone it yeah. is just so dreadful it that it happened un- to it, yeah Reese. it was like wrong time wrong place but it could have happened to anyone yeah it could have happened to us. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, we were his age. Yeah. We were in similar situations of, like... Yeah, he was just coming home from football training. It wasn't like he was hanging around at, like, you know, I, 10 o'clock at night on a street corner. I used to go to um, drama in Croxteth. Yeah. And we used to walk back into town. Like, do you know things like that? Yeah. And, it, yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, just innocent. Like, he's just doing something totally innocent. Like, he wasn't... He, you know, even though I said wrong place, wrong time was it because he's just going home no, he's just living and his life. yeah living his life was it the wrong time no because it was just a normal time of day he was and just it, going home from football it was unfortunately that these gangs had embedded themselves in the community yeah and the, the, these to things were going extent, on yeah um 
Jones, who played for the Fair Tree Boys Football Club, was on his way home from football practice alone on the evening of the 22nd of August 2007. As he was crossing the Fair Tree pub car park, Croxteth Park Estate, Liverpool, a hooded youth riding a silver mountain bike approached. He then held out a Smith and Wesson handgun at arm's length, firing three shots, later determined to be the wrong bullets for the gun. It was originally believed that one of the shots hit Jones in the neck, but during the trial, the pathologist revealed that the bullet had entered his back above, above his left shoulder blade and then exited from the right front side of his neck. So it, obviously it did penetrate his neck, but that wasn't where it initially entered. Do you know, doing this podcast has really opened my eyes about the damage that guns do. Like, it literally rips through your body, doesn't it? Yeah, because, of course, we've covered JFK, MLK, and you don't realise, like, the impact, because I think the important distinction there, when we're talking about the neck and, like, why it was important, because, obviously, when the first, you know, people were on the scene that weren't medically trained, they can only see the damage from his neck, so they're concentrating on that, when, actually, there's damage in his back um, and his shoulder blade as well. Um... That isn't being attended to and obviously that's not anyone's fault because well apart from the shooter um this is heartbreaking yeah it really is um so it, and it, this bit is really really sad um so melanie jones's mom rushed to the scene when she heard that her son had been shot by the time that she had reached him he was unconscious paramedics tried for 90 minutes to resuscitate him but he was pronounced dead shortly after arriving at Alderhey Children's Hospital. The local radio station, Radio City 96.7, programmes on the night of the incident, in particular to the 10pm to 2am show, were dedicated to amnesty for witnesses and a talk on gun crime. Radio City also launched their anti-gun crime crime campaign, which was obviously backed by the Jones family as well, in Reese's name to get guns off our street after the incident, which I think that's such an amazing thing that they did. I didn't actually know that um, until I researched this. Do you not remember this campaign? I remember the campaign. I didn't know that Radio City had done that that evening. Um, Because obviously I I was too young, I wouldn't have been up at that time. Because Radio City are a massive part of the community. Yeah. Merseyside, like I listen to them every day on the way to work. Well, they're part of the skyline, aren't they? You see them when when you're driving towards Liverpool. And they did, I I remember this campaign so well and they really pushed it. And I think this campaign was one of the reasons why I think Liverpool's obviously not perfect now. Oh yeah, but but definitely. We've come a long way in terms of crime and Mm. grind gangs and things like that. So... Detectives arrested and later released four people aged between 15 and 19 in connection with the crime. Two further arrests, were both teenagers, were made, but both suspects were soon released on bail pending further inquiries. The police appealed to the public for information, stating that they needed help in finding those who had committed the crime. The murder weapon was described as a black handgun with a long barrel. More than 300 officers and gun crime specialists were deployed to hunt for the killer. Steve and Melanie Jones made a fresh appeal for witnesses to come forward on the 19th of September, four weeks after Reese's murder, which was reconstructed on Crime Watch on the 26th of September. I remember that. I was going to say, I remember watching that. Oh, it was awful, wasn't it? It's was horrible. And that, that, I think, that watching that Crime Watch 
was the first time I realised the extent of what had happened. Yeah, because you, yeah, you could see definitely. you could see the pub because obviously we were young. I was in year nine, so I was about thirteen. Mm. Um, but that was like you, you see, they recreated it. You see in the outside of the pub. Oh, this upsets me. Mm, it's really hot. So in the episode, Melanie Jones appealed directly to the murderer's mother to turn her son in. It led to twelve people calling into the program, all of whom gave police the same name. Do you know what upsets me about this? What? That people so many tried people to cover knew. up and so people knew. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh and it's horrendous. This is now yeah. four weeks after his death. Mm. And um there's also a um a dramatisation of Reese's story. Yeah, we're, we're gonna talk about that in a little we'll, bit. We'll come to it. But that was like that was when I got the full story of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh and that's just harrowing, isn't it? That that programme it's harrowing. Despite reports that the killer's name was widely known and had appeared on internet sites in, and in graffiti around the city, police continued their appeal for witnesses to come forward because obviously they needed um, more evidence. That graffiti thing's a big thing, you know, mm-hmm. because not only did they put his name there, but also like in, in this gang culture, the graffiti is a way to like target people, isn't it? Yeah. Because like I, I, even like where I live, I always seen like insert name grass. Yeah. Like do you know things yeah. like that everywhere, and, like gang tags and stuff. Yeah. So it was a big thing, but also it's kind of an anonymous way, I guess, for people who didn't want to go to the police for whatever reason to say. Something. To say. But but it's crazy how many people no. knew who it was. You know, and, and it blows my mind that be, it took so long. Be, because within these gangs, that would have went right around. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is, can I, there is a, in response to this, um, the Royal Court Theatre in Liverpool started their um, tour of schools with their play on gang violence, which yeah. still goes today. Have you yeah. seen that plan? I, I, yeah, well, I think I saw it in school. Yeah, I saw <laughs> it in school. And then, again, when I was a teacher, we went and watched it in. Exactly, I think it was. Oh, God. On 15th of April 2008, Merseyside Police confirmed that 11 people, all aged between 17 and 25, had been arrested with the connection to the murder. Six more suspects of a similar age were arrested the next day in connection with the murder, one for the murder and the other five for assisting an offender. One of these men had already been charged with possessing a firearm. All six of them were remanded in custody by Liverpool ma- magistrates on 17th of April 2008. Another man was charged in connection with the case on 18th of April 2008 and remanded the same day. On the 16th of December 2008, at the end of a nine-week trial in the Crown Court at Liverpool, Sean Mercer, a member of the Croxteth Crew gang, was found guilty of murder. Mercer by then had it was aged 18 and was sentenced to life imprisonment, being ordered to serve a minimum term of 22 years. I do not think that's enough. No, it's disgusting, isn't it? It really bothers me. Like, he should not be ever allowed out. Um, which is set to keep him in, in pr- which is set to keep him in prison until at least 2030, because he's sentenced to 22 years, but he won't serve that no. way. No. That I get so, don't, don't no. just get through this bit first, because so. I'm so angry as well. <laughs> and he'll be the age of 40 when that happens. Which is still 
old enough to just go and commit crimes and stuff, isn't it? Like, not old enough, but young enough even. No, it's still young enough, even if he doesn't commit crimes, to live a life. To live I a life. Want him to live yeah, a life. to go and have a family and things like that. I don't no. want him to live no. a life. It's disgusting. It literally makes me so upset. Sometimes you think, oh yeah, 22 years, that's a long time. But I think about it now and it's not a long time at all, is it? He's already served like half of it. Like yeah. more than it? No, it, it's not long to take someone's life. Yeah. Especially um, a little like, boy. The, his whole life. It's just him. gone like that. It's disgusting. And, and the impact that's had on his family, on the community. like. Mm. I know, I know. It's hard to talk about, isn't it? Um, right. So other gang members, James Yates, Nathan Quinn, Boy M, who could not be named because he was still under the age of 18, so was referred to throughout the trial as Boy M. Gary Kays and Melvin Coy were convicted of assisting an offender. Another defendant who was under the age of 18 was talked about as Boy K. Um, it was later revealed that this boy was Dean Kelly, who was convicted of four related offences. Kays and Coy were both sentenced to seven years. Sentencing for four of the defendants was delayed until the following month. In January 2009, Yates was sentenced to seven years, Dean Kelly to four years, and Nathan Quinn to two years. A 16-year-old was sentenced to a two-year supervision order. Parents of the gang members, including Mercer's mother and the parents of Yates, were later tried and convicted for preventing the course of justice. On the 28th of October 2009, Yates had his sentence increased to 12 years imprisonment, following a referral to the Court of Appeal by the solicitor, General Vera Baird, QC, as being too lenient. On the 2nd of November 2009, Mercer stabbed Jake Ferrari, who murdered another young boy, apparently having crafted a knife from a pair of tweezers. So, to me, that just shows he's fucking... Sorry, that he's just... He's just going to carry on. Mm-hmm. So he might as well just friggin' stay there. Like, ugh. Like, that's not remorseful behaviour, is it? That's just, oh, I'm in prison, I'm just going to carry on no. being garbage and, and it's trash. That, it's that life that he's accustomed to. If he, if he thinks, like, killing people is the right way to resolve mm-hmm. something or the right way to... I don't know. It annoys me. Right, so we need to drill down in this into this a little bit because we've scratched the surface, but under yeah. this... Um, and it sounds strange when we're talking about how many people were convicted... But that's because it all stems from these gangs. Yeah, and there were more. Obviously, there's one shooter, but like we said, a lot of them were perverting the course of justice. Um, you know, someone's hiding the gun for the for one person. Obviously, if a lot of people know and they don't come forward, that's also perverting the course of justice. And it is it is the the the, the this gang come together to try and protect. Yeah, to try and make sure that Sean Mercer doesn't get convicted. Residents in the Croxiff area have said that there were many problems which parents were warned about by local police to do with antisocial behaviour. In reaction to this, Merseyside Police made the area around the pub into a designated area, meaning that officers could disperse groups and move people away from this area. So this was known as like somewhere where like youths or stuff like that would gather. But when you think of youths, you think of like 13, 14 year olds, you don't think of men they were 17 to 25 aren't they that's men that's not youths that's not like young boys hanging around on a street corner that's men in a gang yeah trying to intimidate people and like yeah which is just gross so this um antisocial behavior order 
it still still happens today. So yeah. when there's areas of antisocial behaviour, they put it on an area, and it means that they can break up people that are in a group of more than two. Yeah. Um, they're allowed to exercise stop and search mm-hmm. um, if they believe this certain things happening. It gives the police more powers if they designate that zone. Yeah, yeah, which is what what this this pub was in um, that area. So Sean Mercer and the others convicted of their involvement in the murder were known to be members of the Croxith crew. This was a criminal gang in Croxith. The murder came the day before the first anniversary of the killing of Liam Smith, who was an alleged member of a rival gang, the Norris Green Strand crew, who was shot dead by members of the Croxith crew as he walked out of the Altcourse pr- as he walked out of Altcourse prison on 23rd of August 2006. During the investigation, the police stressed that the murder was not gang-related. The murder was later revealed to be the result of Mercer's failed attempt to shoot one or more rival gang members from the Strand crew who had come into Croxteth, which they'd sort of regard as their territory and, you know, these other gang members aren't allowed there. Instead, he ended up hitting Reese as he walked home from football practice. The youth gang phenomenon and youth gangs of Liverpool in particular drew high media attention after this murder, of course. Basically from that we gather he didn't intend to shoot Reese Jones. It wasn't like he went out to, to kill that little boy that day, but he was going out to kill other people yeah. that day he took a gun out with him he, 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 his intent was to kill somebody yeah regardless of who that was there. he had the intent to kill somebody yeah exactly um so even though it wasn't specifically for reese jones he was going to shoot someone that day and again it was just for his his gang really and how do so we have senseless. these people in our community do you know what i mean I know. it's just really senseless to be like oh i'm gonna go and shoot someone because they're in our part of... And it is tit for tat. It be- is. Because this is what happens with these gangs. One pe- one gang kills another one and then it just goes there to there. Yeah. It is literally an eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like we've just been saying, there were lots of tributes and public reactions. So Dean's going to talk us through some of these. So Rhys Jones was a dedicated supporter of Everton Football Club and he had a season ticket along with his father and his brother. Players of the team laid a floral tribute, football boots and football shirt to the scene of the crime and players and fans paid tribute to him in a minute-long applause at the home game against Blackburn Rovers on the 25th of August. Have you ever seen the footage yeah. from that? Oh my it's God, it's horrible. It's oh. heartbreaking. Do you know, oh, I find all the stuff like with his mum and dad because they are so strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when we're talking about his mum and dad, how much like... Like they went on crime watch and did an appeal. Mm. Do you know things like this? Like they were so strong and were so yeah. pivotal in one raising awareness of this campaign and making sure we remember that Reece no and he got yeah. justice. Mm. And two pivotal in helping us battle the gangs. The ga- and, oh and yeah, the life because the gun crime. yeah, they didn't stop after you know like Reese got his justice they carried on and, and they still do in the community to this day so they are absolutely brilliant people after a suggestion from liverpool echo columnist tony barrett which was supported by many echo readers everton's local rivals liverpool fc agreed to play the beginning of johnny todd the song that traditionally greets the arrival of the everton team into the government park pitch 
prior to playing Liverpool's own theme tune ahead of their UEFA Champions League game with Toulouse FC on the 28th of August. That is massive. That's huge. That's massive, isn't it? It really is. And it's a huge, huge gesture. But that's that thing, like I'm saying, like that rivalry between Everton and Liverpool is very superficial. Mm. And like, it is like, um, oh, who do you support? Everton and Liverpool. And like, there's a bit of banter there. But when, on the important things, like the city massively comes together. Yeah. Like um, Hillsborough, which is something mm. we're going to be talking later on. Um, that's something that Liverpool never come together on for everything like yeah the, the, when I think of Hillsborough for example the image I have in my head and it's used a lot is like a little boy and a little girl holding hands yeah with the 96 9 and a 6 yeah. on the back and one's in a Liverpool one's in and Everton. Everton that's yeah. the image that I come to and that just shows me like the unity of Liverpool mm. after the football put <laughs> edit that bit up after they played um, Johnny Todd, it was followed by a period of applause. The Liverpool players and staff, the Toulouse players and the matchday officials wore black armbands during the game. Rhys Jones was buried in a private ceremony on the 6th of September 2007, following a funeral service at Liverpool Cathedral, which was attended by more than 2,500 people. His family issued a public invitation for well wishes to attend the service, where mourners were requested to wear bright colours or football stripes. During the service, Steve Jones read a poem he had written for his son, and Everton footballer Alan Stubbs read from the Bible. His gravestone is engraved with Born a Blue, Lived a Blue, Died a Blue. Starting on the 24th of April 2017, a four-part ITV drama, Little Boy Blue, aired based on the murder. It was met with positive reviews where viewers described how hard it was to watch. It is really hard to watch. It's, oh, it, the only word I can think of to describe it is harrowing, because it yeah. is. It's, oh, it's horrible. It's um, absolutely horrible. It's hard to watch, but you should watch it. Mm. For those, for our international listeners, you can watch it on BritBox or on Netflix. Yeah. Um, for those UK viewers and you haven't seen it, it's on ITV Player. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's, incredible and i think the way they've like put it together it goes into so much detail as well in like what happened in the aftermath that i think a lot of people didn't know about mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it is really good and i think that shows like how how i think it's so sad that he was on his way home from football training because football was such like a big part of his life you know the fact that it's on his gravestone so it's it's really it's hard, isn't it? It's because horrible. when you're that age, like that is your life. You go football practice, you have fun with your mates. Like, like he was taken in the prime of his life. Yeah. Coming into, he's about to have a really bright future. He's about, to, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like he's about to go into high school and start all that and thing. And that it's weird because it he was literally it's the same time as me. I was about to start mm-hmm. high school as well. But, you know, at the same time as him, and it's just really like upsetting that. And the community was angry. Mm. Oh, like, yeah, outraged. This was like everyone come together and was like, this is not acceptable in our community. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes me really proud to live here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But there is, and the the show goes into it as well, and, and there's documentaries and things that I've watched of it, but there are, like, some members of the community, obviously, like, if you think of, like, the gang members like family members and stuff like that mm-hmm. there is a little bit of contention 
in Liverpool still obviously around those you know like family members or friends and things like that and it's very um it, it's still very prevalent isn't it yeah um but he will never be forgotten no not in this community no um he leaves a lasting legacy oh yeah yeah massively and his, again his family have left this legacy really well um by um opening up the reese jones community on langley close in croxith park um, that opened on the 31st of August 2013, so six years after he died. Um, they hope to raise aspirations and hope in the community um, by sort of unifying everybody um, in the Croxith area and even wider in Liverpool as well. And their like mission, their mission isn't to necessarily demonise pe- people that are, are in gangs, mm. but it's to try and prevent that happening yeah by providing youths with education yeah by providing them with opportunity mm-hmm. by providing safe spaces for, for them well it's showing them that there is another path and mm-hmm. that they can pick a different path because a lot of the time people get into gangs because that's just the way they think their life has to go yeah. because they don't have any other you know aspirations or hopes so, like you were saying, that is the whole point of this community centre, to educate them and to give them, you know, like, different hopes and aspiration and, and showing them that it could change. And they work with people in that maybe are in gangs to mm-hmm. get them out and yeah. to break that cycle. Yeah, exactly. It's about changing the lives of young people in the community by making it... It's, it's a really, like, positive and fun place mm-hmm. to be as well for the young people. Um and their work is really important but it's not just for you know like people of a, of a younger age group like teenagers and um, they also have a lot of activities that they provide for every age group and um, without any discrimination um, and they are always there to you know like be helpful and support and you know like you said try and get anyone you know out of like yeah. gang culture and things like that so it's it's been really beneficial um, for Liverpool to have the Reese Jones Community Centre and they are committed to engaging the community and to bring back about long-lasting change, which, you know, they are doing that and they're doing this all in Reese's name, you know, like to provide, like you were saying before, this legacy for him, which I think is such an amazing thing that his, his family have done. It's really, like, powerful. Melanie, Stephen and Owen want to leave a lasting legacy in the area for Reese and his family. They said they want to have a positive energy and a shining beacon that comes out of the tragedy. They wish that no family will ever have to go through the same again. Mm. This should not have happened. This should never have happened. Yeah. It was preventable. Preventable. It's a preventable Mm -hmm. death and they recognise that. And they work tirelessly to make sure it doesn't happen. So the community centre team have a vision of the centre becoming a community hub, bringing all areas of the community together, working in partnership with other organisations to support the well-being of its local residents, from babies, children, teens and adults alike. Um, they also have a wonderful provision for the elderly community. Which is just gorgeous. So it's literally, lovely. I love the little quote where it says they welcome anyone without discrimination with an open heart and a helpful hand. Yeah, 
it's lo it's lovely isn't it and it's that is like what a community centre is about and it, I think it's so amazing that they've done this all for Reese mm -hmm. and you know like to again to keep this legacy going because in 20 years time kids who live in Liverpool they wouldn't necessarily know who Reese Jones was but if they then go to this community centre they're gonna learn so it, it, it keeps you know him alive in a way doesn't it and keeps the education of yeah of that because i think like this event changed lives of a lot of people mm. but wider than just that it changed the way we see things like i know about gangs and things mm. because, because of, of this, this. Mm -hmm. so it's making sure that education keeps going on the community center's website there is a statement which reads reese jones's name means something and he will never be forgotten. It is our pledge to his parents and brother to make sure that our community centre is a lasting legacy. Reese's life meant something, and our community centre will mean his name is never forgotten. And that's just amazing, isn't it? Like, it's and it true. never will be. No, it never will be. It's, you know, it's just sad. It's a really sad one, this one, because yeah. it's about a young lad who had so much potential he had so much of his life like left to give and it's really like, just hard on his parents as well and and his brother i'm glad we've covered this case i'm really glad um, we've covered this case i do apologize if you tuned in expecting something fun and upbeat because there's no way we could be our fun upbeat usual selves yeah when this case is so harrowing and so close to us yeah um I very deliberately left out a lot of stuff about like Sean Mercer and things like that because I didn't want it to become an episode about the people in the gangs and what they were doing and like you know like Joran mm -hmm. like hiding away at the trial and stuff because I didn't want it to take away from Reese and um, obviously who the episode is actually about um, so if you do want to you know like find out about that like we were saying Little Boy Blue is amazing um, and there's loads of documentaries and things like that but I just didn't want it to become about his murderer. No, the focus is on Reese and not on anyone. Yeah, which is why it's a little bit short because it's a little bit less detailed because I didn't want it, like I wanted the detail to be on like Reese and his family and what they've done, mm -hmm. so. So what are we doing on Monday, Danielle? So on Monday, we're gonna be actually looking into another kind of local case. Um, it's the Hillsborough disaster, which is a horrific disaster um which a lot of liverpool football club you know um followers will be really aware of as will a lot of people in the uk because it. it's been a huge thing especially in the media over the past couple of years because there's been like court cases still going on about it and things like that and you know this is like a good like this is 30 years later since the incident happened and it's still really in our peripheral you know like it's still in our conscious and everyone again it's a thing that everyone knows about as it should be oh yeah 100% horrific oh absolutely um and yeah so it's going to be another quite a sad one mm. but if that's not for you feel free to join us on our freaky friday so until next time stay curious and stay morbid this has been an audio bear production our show tune is Half Mystery by Kevin McLeod. Yes, McLeod. <laughs>